Welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Samini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. Hope you enjoyed the mini buy. The Jets certainly did not give you any reason to enjoy it, though. An ugly 45-30 loss to the Colts on Thursday night football. This was one of those losses that make you question your fandom. I heard a lot of New York sports talk radio on game day, hours before kickoff, and the fan base, they were fired up. Fired up because of one Mike White. And what happens? The forearm injury happens on a touchdown pass, no less. It would have been bad enough on a sack, but no, the football gods have to tease you. Touchdown, 7-7. Oh, no, he's hurt. But, you know, such is life with the Jets. And we are going to get into that. And we're also going to give out our midseason report card coming up in the second segment. And we have Twitter questions coming in as well. But here we are right now waiting for the smoke to emerge from Robert Sala's bunker. Is it going to be Mike White or Zach Wilson? You know how I feel. I say roll with the hot hand. And that's Mike White, assuming he's healthy, which he is. And I think Robert Sala agrees with me. On Monday, he sounded like he was leaning toward White to start against the Bills. Both quarterbacks are expected to practice on Wednesday, but he stopped short of saying that Wilson will be fully healthy for the Bills. And he said it would be irresponsible to play him unless Wilson is fully healthy. Keywords there, fully healthy. He noted that they're only three weeks in to a two to four week injury. This is the way to go. This is the right call, which I noted in my Sunday notes column. Wilson can milk, I'd rather Sala can milk Wilson's injury for another week while giving White who's actually the best quarterback on the team right now, by the way, another start, which he earned. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying the Jets screwed up by not putting Wilson on IR because he could end up missing three games. And that's true, but they wanted him to be able to practice this week, which he will do. That's why they didn't put him on IR. The extra week of practice will be a big benefit when he presumably returns to the starting lineup to face Miami the following week. Now, what happens if White beats the Bills? Well, well, obviously, you stay with him. The Jets are a 13-point home dog, so Vegas doesn't think there's much of a chance at happening. And if it does, you just ride the wave. You ride the Mike White wave. Look, the, the organization is firmly committed to Wilson. Second pick in the draft, $35 million guaranteed. He's their guy. But I also know that Salah is so impressed that w- by what White has accomplished, and he doesn't want to rain on the young man's parade. So is he inviting a quarterback controversy but not giving an ironclad vote of confidence to Wilson? Yeah, maybe. His choice of words could backfire, but I'm okay with it. He's putting a little bit of pressure on Wilson, which, by the way, isn't a bad thing. He had no competition in training camp. Zero. And now maybe there's a little bit of competition. Maybe he's feeling a little bit of heat, seeing how White and even Josh Johnson operated in this offense over the last two games. So competition is good. If the Jets think Wilson is as good as they expect him to be, he'll rise up and seize the moment. We're at the midseason mark in the NFL, nine weeks down into an 18-week season. And even though the Jets have played only eight games, 
we're basically at the midseason mark. So here is the midseason report card. Now a warning. I am a tough grader, but I will keep things in perspective relative to expectations. So here we go. We'll go position by position. Quarterback. As a team, the Jets quarterbacks rank 28th in total QBR. White has played well. Johnson has played well. But we're obviously grading mostly on Wilson here. And right now, he's 32nd out of 33 qualified passes ahead of only fellow rookie Justin Fields. So clearly, Wilson was not ready to play from week one. There, I said it. He was not ready to play from week one. He's extremely raw. He's talented, but raw. He has to learn to play within the structure of the offense. Enough of the hero ball. It's uh, it's it's not good, and that's what get him, gets him into some trouble. So it'll be fascinating to see how he does when he returns. Like I said, the pressure's on now. If he's not as proficient as White and Johnson, eh, it won't be such a good look. But good for the young man. We'll, it's going to be good. He'll benefit by sitting and watching, and we'll see what he's made of. As for, as for a grade for the quarterbacks, I got to go with a D. Running backs. As a team, their rushing totals are toward the bottom of the league, but the backs aren't getting much help from the offensive line. Actually, Michael Carter and Ty, Ty Johnson, I think they're doing okay. The Jets are 14th in yards after contact per rush, so that's a good sign. Carter, in my opinion, he's progressing nicely. He's got good vision, good instincts. I think he could go over 12, 1,300 yards this year in yards from scrimmage, which would be quite impressive. I don't know if he'll ever be an elite running back, but so far so good. So as a grade, I'm going with C-plus out of the running backs. Wide receivers. No one's having a great year. Corey Davis, kind of all or nothing. He's got four touchdowns. He's also got five drops. Good player, but not a true number one. One of the cool stories in the second half of the year will be Elijah Moore. He's suddenly a factor. I think Mike LaFleur has figured out ways to get him the ball, and you're seeing the talent that we all saw in the spring and in summer on the practice fields. I would not be surprised if Moore finishes as their leading receiver. He's only six behind Jamison Crowder for the team lead right now in catches, and I think he could finish as their leader. So wide receivers, I'm giving him a B-. minus. Tight ends. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Tyler Croft can't stay healthy. Trayvon Wesco has been a disappointment. And Ryan Griffin, he's done some good things, but not enough. So the Jets are 30th in tight end receptions. This has to be a priority for Joe Douglas in the offseason. Kenny Yaboa will get his shot this week against Buffalo. Great for the tight ends. F. Offensive line. I'll say this for the line. The pass protection has improved a lot since the first three games. In fact, right now, the Jets are 11th, 11th in pass block win rate, according to our ESPN metrics. The problem is they can't run block worth a damn. They're 32nd in run block win rate. The tackles are fine. George Fant, Morgan Moses, I think they're okay, but they're not getting enough push from the three interior guys. Greg Van Roten needs to be replaced at some point. Laurent Duvenet Tardif, they just got last week in a trade. When he gets up to speed, I think he could push Van Roten out of a starting job. Maybe Makai Becton's return will help the run blocking, but I'm not so sure. I've had sp smart football people tell me Becton is a bad fit in this outside zone scheme. 
We certainly saw some signs of that in training camp. He should be practicing in a week or two, but what kind of shape is he going to be in? Uh, he's going to return to the starting lineup because, hey, look, he's a former number one pick and he needs experience. But I'm going to tell you, Fant has been doing a solid job at left tackle. So it's going to be real interesting to see what happens when Becton returns. My grade for the offensive line is a C minus. Defensive line, I think this unit's overrated. I mean, Quentin Williams is having a good year. He gets doubled more than anyone, and he's still producing. JFM has tailed off, to be quite honest, since signing his contract extension. Sheldon Rankins has good metrics, but you don't see a lot of splash plays. The Colts game was just embarrassing, flat-out embarrassing. The Jets allowed an average of seven yards per rush before contact. That's unheard of. Uh, for a group that likes to bill itself as the best position group on the team, I think that's very disappointing. Not having Carl Lawson, obviously a factor, but the D-line should be better on a week-to-week basis. It was great against Tennessee and Cincinnati, but invisible in some other games. So I'm going with a C-minus for the defensive line. Linebackers, uh, you know, it's been a hodgepodge due to injuries and a lack of experience, you name it. C.J. Mosley's been the one constant, although, to be quite frank, he did not have a good game against the Colts. Jared Davis still getting his legs under him, so it's too soon to say. This has to be a top priority for Douglas in the offseason. This could be a total makeover at linebacker. I'm giving him a D, and the only reason is not it's not an F is because of Mosley. The DBs, the secondary, well, they're 29th in passing yards allowed, And the team has only one interception. And that was by a defensive lineman, Shaq Lawson against Cincinnati. I like Bryce Hall. I think he's got a future. Same for Michael Carter II. Not sold on Brandon Eccles. Same for Ashton Davis. Marcus May's future is up in the air because of the Achilles. The bottom line is this unit needs major work. And it would not surprise me if they use one of their two first-round picks on a corner or a safety. I am going with a D-plus for the secondary special teams. Meh. I'll give it a C coaching. The jets are exactly where I thought they'd be when I made my preseason predictions Two is two and six. And I still think they'll end up at five and 12 was with, which is my original pick. Some positives on Salah, excellent communicator, even keel during adverse times, solid in terms of managing the game, no egregious mistakes in that area. I like the positive vibe he's created around the building. And I still think, despite the record, he has the traits to be a successful coach. Now for the negatives. He's a defensive guy, and the defense is a mess. Statistically, it's the worst in franchise history. The overall team inconsistency is more pronounced than I would have expected. They've been blown out of four games. How he handles the quarterback situation will be telling. I want to give Michael LaFleur some props. I was hard on hard on him in past episodes and in some columns I've written. But look, the offense has improved the last two weeks, so we have to recognize that. The overall grade for coaching, I would give it a B minus at this point. Now for front office, I think Joe Douglas hit on this year's draft, AVT, Elijah Moore, Carter, Carter the second, all promising players. Ultimately, he'll be judged by Wilson. And the jury's still out. The 2020 draft, not too promising. Mims has not seized his recent opportunity, and Becton has some questions to answer when he returns. The two big free agent signings, 
Lawson out for the year. That's a tough break. Corey Davis has brought a, pre- a veteran presence to the wide receiver room. Solid signing. I think Douglas's strength has been getting good value in trades, and he certainly did that with the Sam Darnold and Chris Hernan trades. The Joe Flacco trade is a head-scratcher, but let's not go crazy. It was only a sixth-round pick. Overall, Douglas's record as the GM is 11-29, and 29, but 23 of those losses came under Adam Gase. I'm not going to hold him responsible for that. The roster is definitely better than last year, but we won't be able to judge Douglas completely until the future returns are counted. And by that, I mean the 2022 draft with four picks in the first two rounds. For now, I'm giving the front office a B minus. And it's Twitter time. Our first question from at Dennis K. Harris. We're talking Marcus May here. Does Marcus May's injury stop the Jets from using the franchise tag? And if he signs elsewhere, will the Jets get a decent comp pick? Answers, short answers, no, uh, uh, yes, and no. They will not use the franchise tag on Marcus May because it's 12 plus million dollars and you would never use that much money on a player coming back from a severe injury like that. So the franchise tag is out of the question. If he signs elsewhere, will the Jets get a decent comp pick? And no, because to get a comp pick, you have to lose a player as an unrestricted free agent who signs a very lucrative contract. And Marcus May is not going to get a lucrative contract. And as Paul, uh, you know, as Boy Green 25 brings up, as kind of segue into his question, would it make sense for May to return on a one-year prove-it deal with the Jets after his injury? And yeah, that makes more sense. I could see something like that happening. It depends on his rehab. You're talking about a nine-month rehab for an Achilles uh, rupture. So we're talking, you know, he's not going to be ready for the start of training camp. So now you're talking into the preseason. So maybe a one-year prove-it deal. And uh, even if he signs a one-year prove-it deal with another team, that would not equate to a compensatory pick. I think the Jets will start from scratch at safety and go with Ashton Davis if he shows anything the rest of the year and then draft someone. Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. My scouting peeps tell me very good things about him. He's obviously very highly ranked on all the uh, big boards. Six foot four safety out of Notre Dame. He is outstanding. I think he could be a factor for the Jets with one of their uh, top two picks, even, even with that top pick. At John Wong says, with all the injuries at safety, do you think the Jets will try to move Hamsa Nazarildine back to safety to help out? Of course, that is a reference to Hamsa's college background, a safety at Florida State. But the answer is no. I really think they're committed to keeping him at outside linebacker. It's a different kind of safety from college to what the Jets are doing. And I think it would absolutely blow his mind if they moved him back to safety. Uh, I don't think you'd see that on a permanent basis. They really want to make him an outside linebacker. They think he has the skill set to make that adjustment. They do need a safety, though. They, all they have now are Neesman, Wilson, and Davis on the roster. Uh, they got nothing left on the practice squad. I, I guess they can bring back Adrian Colbert. And uh, they are working out players this week, so they'll probably sign one. And so, obviously, the May injury, just a huge, huge loss for the, safe, uh, for the entire secondary. At J.P. Waxer, so the pass rush is an attack upfield strategy, and the linebackers are lighter 
in weight to offer better pass coverage. So who handles the run? It's a really good question, JP. Obviously, no one's been handling the run based on the way the Jets have been giving up yards. That was just a pathetic performance against Indianapolis. And I'll explain it. You know, they use a one-gap system. So uh, when the ball is snapped, the defensive linemen, you know, fire up field. They're responsible for only one gap so they can play very aggressively. Uh, The linebackers need to fill those gaps and peel off blockers when the defensive linemen get double teamed, which has been happening a lot, especially with Quinton Williams. He gets doubled about eight to ten times per game, according to our stats. You also have to rely on the safeties to come down in the box. It has to be an orchestrated effort with gap control. And right now the Jets are just a mess. They're just having growing pains in this new system. Uh, And they do use a lot of neutral and stacked boxes. And what do I mean by that? Well, a neutral box is seven in the box. A stacked box is eight in the box. According to Next Gen, the Jets have gone neutral or stacked on 154 rushes this year, which ranks sixth in the league. So they do stack the box to stop the rush, and they're still giving up big yards. So that's alarming. Next one from at Real Zace 11. How come it's been the Mike White versus Zach Wilson narrative when the real story is how much better LaFleur has gotten calling at plays, calling plays? I do think Mike LaFleur, their OC, has been a little more aggressive in recent weeks, the last two specifically. But the numbers show that it hasn't been like an entirely different philosophy calling plays. I think the reason why the offense is better is, let's be honest, Mike White and Josh Johnson have been playing quarterback better than Zach Wilson. That's resulted in a faster tempo, better ball distribution. Uh, you know, Elijah Moore's emergence has helped. They've used some trick plays. Um, are they a little, a little more aggressive? Yeah, their pass ratio has jumped from 63% to 69 Their first down passing ratio is virtually the same as it was when Wilson was the quarterback. So, yes, it made some tweaks, but I don't think that's the reason they've been better. I just think they've been getting better quarterback play, more disciplined quarterback play within the structure of the offense. Now, more LaFleur from at BDTT Sports. Was the LaFleur on the field experiment a failure overall? And will we continue to see offensive success with him up in the booth when Wilson comes back? Yes. Yes, BDT. I think we could declare LaFleur on the field a failure. And I think he will remain in the booth the rest of the year. And the reason is, one, you don't mess with a good thing. He has said, as recently as last Friday, that he's always preferred to be in the booth. The reason he wasn't was because Wilson wanted him on the field. Well, you know what? He doesn't need to be on the field anymore to hold Wilson's hand. They hired John Beck, Wilson's personal quarterback to coach. That's his job now, to hold Wilson's hand on the bench, to go over the, you know, the tablets, look at the plays, talk to him down there. I would be very, very surprised if Mike LaFleur is on the sideline again. He should stay on the booth. You you have to want there's the too many cooks in the question cooks in the kitchen question they have four quarterbacks and four coaches who coach the quarterbacks so i'm a little concerned about that but i think lafleur is going to stay upstairs at greg romano nine what is the most alarming trend that you've seen from the jets so far is it the terrible defense wilson struggling while the two backups have thrown for over 100 i i think it's really the uh 
the lopsidedness of some games. Uh, you've seen the Jets play really inspired football in home games against Cincinnati and t- Tennessee, and then you've just seen just really lackluster games against New England and Indianapolis, and uh, so that's been alarming. When they go up against you know a veteran coaching staff like Belichick and Frank Reich, and even out there in Denver, uh, Vic Fangio coached circles around the Jets in that game. His defense, I think, that's an alarming trend. Just the this the fluctuation in some of these games is just is just staggering. You know, I expected there to be a roller coaster because of the inexperience on this team, but that's a little bit more than I expected. So that to me would be the alarming trend. You want to see more consistency on a week-to-week basis. And that wraps up this week's show. This was a little bit different this week with no guest because we had our midseason report card. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you to producer Jeff Scopin for putting it all together. The Jets host the first-place Bills on Sunday. Can they make it three in a row at home? I wouldn't bet on it. And we'll talk to you next week on Flight Deck.